but God still sits on His throne. I'm very thankful that there are so many things that are shaken like the like a leaf in the wind, but the Lord holds us. He keeps us. When, when the dust settles from every uh, trial, tribulation, the Lord still has us right in His hands, in the palms of, of His hands. He says, uh, nothing and no one can pluck you from the Father's hands. And I thank the Lord for that. He is a good shepherd, amen? And He is our good shepherd. And we've been, uh, with, the, uh, you know, with the, the different services we've had here lately, and not meeting together. I really appreciate Alberto preaching. And for him to stand up here. It's not that easy to do. To stand up here. Uh, he, he preached from this pulpit to uh, a camera. And was, was able to send it to us last Sunday. That was a real blessing brother. And I appreciate it. I thank the Lord for the ministry. And the uh, just the calling of God upon his life. And what a blessing it is to me. And to our church. I appreciate it. And we have others minister in music and in the word I'm very thankful but in the midst of all of this we're we're going to finish our series this is the fifth part if you've lost track it would be easy to do so this is the fifth part on the priesthood of the believer okay the priesthood of the believer and we're going to finish it today and God just really stirred me uh, with this this word and this message and we really have talked about the nature of the priesthood that everyone that's born again and washed in the blood of Jesus has been made. The Bible says in Revelation one unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto our God and to his father. To him be dominion and glory or glory, and dominion forever and ever. And so. It's something that the Lord has done. It's not the fact that we decided to take up the profession of ministry and become a priest, so to speak. It is a work of God. It is a working of God in the life of everyone He's redeemed, not some of the people He's redeemed. Some of us may be functioning more in a, in, as a priest unto God than others, but it is something has made us in the new birth. It's something that the Lord has done for us. Another key scripture, that was Revelation 1, 5, and 6. But another key passage is in 1 Peter, I believe chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where the Lord, uh, where Peter says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are, not just me as an apostle, Peter is saying, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, and what, what's the point of all this? That you should show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God's always been merciful, but as born-again saints of God, we've obtained it. We've obtained it. We had that wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning that Chris and Jenna taught about... Uh, the Old Testament example of Moses lifting up that serpent on the pole. Whoever looked was bitten by a snake, a poisonous snake. If they would gaze upon this by faith, this thing that God provided on the pole, they would live and not die. And God has done that for us through Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so Jesus is the snake as... 
As the serpent was Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is what the Lord has done for us, and in giving us the gift of eternal life, he has given us a ministry. We are kings and priests unto God, and as such our offerings, first Peter two five, that we should offer up uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. By Christ Jesus. You don't have to make it complicated. You know what you and I are doing with our lives? We're to live for God. Who do I serve? What's my ministry? Who am I to please in life? You're to please the Lord. We're to please the one who saved us and redeemed us. And I can promise you, if you're pleasing the Lord, you'll be pleasing your spouse. You'll be pleasing your children, your parents, your employer. If we're pleasing God, we'll be the best in, of, the, of those other things. We need to please God and our sacrifices are to be spiritual sacrifices unto God. We're not offering up a blood sacrifices on an altar in the in the fashion of the Old Testament uh, priesthood. We're priests of a different order. We're like Christ and our sacrifices are to be spiritual sacrifices offered up to God by Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus that please him. I want you to open with me your, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. I'm going to close this series today. I pray you would lay hold on this very simple truth this morning. But Acts 14, let's read verses 7 through 11 and then we'll skip down. Acts 14, 7. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat, sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, Paul beholding this man, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaniah, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, let, well, let's just skip down to verse 19 through 21. And they came there certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium and persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. Now, this we could have picked so many uh, accounts in the book of Acts, even in the New Testament or in the Bible, to, to give a picture of the priesthood of the believer. This is the one that the Lord led me to. But it, it says right here that he's preaching the gospel in verse 7. He perceives as he's preaching the gospel, here's a man that's never walked in his life. He's crippled, never knew what it was like to walk, but he perceived in the man. Who's that like Jesus? Jesus perceived faith. And he perceived unbelief in people. But Paul, perceiving that this man had the faith to be healed, just spoke to him. There wasn't a healing service. He spoke to him and he said, stand up on your feet and walk. And the man leapt up and walked. And the people of this town were so amazed by this, and they should have been amazed by this, 
that they, they thought that the gods, these gods had come down in the likeness of men, Mercurius and Jupiter, and they, they were going to just worship them as, one, as these two gods and, and actually offer animal sacrifices to them as though they were gods. And that's, that's the account. So, so they're about to worship them as gods. And just literally a few moments later, some Jews came and persuaded the people in a whole other direction. They picked up stones and stoned them. Same apostle, Paul, and, and the co-workers with him. Same group of people that were hearing the gospel and wanted to worship them as gods. And they had to scarcely could restrain them from doing so, but they did. Now they're picking up stones, not with the intent of stoning him. They stoned him. They stoned Paul and left him for dead and walked off. And while the disciples stood around, he rose up on his feet and dusted himself off. They go to another nearby town. And what does he do? So I'm going to keep my mouth shut now. Look what just happened to me. He goes to another town and he preaches the gospel. To me, this is just like a snapshot in a human being of a life that's been transformed. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was a sinner. He was a persecutor of the church. He gets saved. He's a new creature in Christ. He has the call of God upon his life to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And that call was going to be consistent. Not that he was sinless or perfect, but the call would be consistent. Even the cause of his death, resulting in his death, to be a martyr for the Lord in Rome where he was beheaded for the cause of Christ. But his life was one that was spin up for God. His saved life was a life that was spin up for the Lord, used up for the Lord. He was a priest unto God, not unto men, not the people that wanted to worship him as, a, as God and not the people that was the same people, by the way, that stoned him and left him for dead. He loved men, but he loved the Lord with all of his heart, soul and mind. And then God poured out his love through him to people, even people that would pick up stones with the intent to kill him. And that is Christ-like. And that is the nature of this priesthood. And that is the power of this priesthood. What we saw just in that little account of both the preaching, the miracles, the being raised after being stoned, and then preaching again, that is a picture of the authority of the priest. That's every priest. That's not just the Apostle Paul. This is what I need to get a better grasp of in my own life. I know it to be so, but I want to experience it to be so. I want you to know it so and experience it to be so as a child of God. The Bible says, and I'll just quote this, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, as Christ is now, so are we in this world. It's an as. It's a comparison. I'm not Christ and you're not Christ. Christ is Christ. But the Bible says, as he is right now, so are we in this world. Jesus Christ literally is seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of power, having ascended, having won the victory on the cross and in, and in his resurrection. <clears throat> but he is working and living through his people, the born again, the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ, our priest unto God. We've been saved, but we've also been called and commissioned to be priests. And we have been empowered and equipped to be priests. I'm not talking about something uh, uh, erroneous like the doctrine of the uh, 
uh, manifest sons of God and things like this. I'm simply talking about New Testament Christianity like the Apostle Paul, like Peter, like John, like uh, Stephen, like other believers that we don't even know their names that have lived this life, none of them perfect, all saved by a perfect Savior though, and filled with the Holy Ghost and walking in His power. The Lord has equipped His people for this life. He has fitted us for this priesthood. It's not beyond us. It would be beyond us without the Lord. But the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I said that that scripture, you've probably seen it just taken and used in so many ways that it was probably never intended by the Lord to be used. I believe this is how it's intended to be used. I can preach the gospel to people who may receive me, or who may pick up stones to stone me, and I can do that successfully and in an anointed way because Christ strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can keep preaching the gospel when I'm rejected, 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 or if the revival breaks out. I can live this life for God when everybody around me is encouraging me to live for God and is like-minded, or if nobody around me is living for God and and hates me for being a, a true Christian. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, the world, and they that are in the world, and they that are the spirit of Antichrist. It's a wonderful scripture. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater, greater in every way is the Lord. Satan looks fierce. You can see him in the world. You can see his hand on everything and hear his voice in everything in the world. You can see his power and his fierceness and his intimidation. We can see it all and it is power and it's a great power. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I need to be established in that. Paul walked in that. Satan never defeated Paul one time. He didn't defeat him. Did he stir up people against him? Yeah, he stirred up the Jews that came down there from uh, those other cities and persuaded the people that Paul had preached to to stone him. Satan's at work, but he's dusted himself off. God, God raised him up and he went and continued his priesthood unto the Lord and preached the gospel. And people are in heaven today because of that ministry of that particular mission trip. And that dusting himself off and preaching the gospel. There will be saints in heaven that we'll get to be with because he did. He was empowered and we are empowered. We're not simply, uh, as New Testament believers, it's not that we simply joined a local church. Although we do join a local church, that's of the Lord. It's not that we just started one day to decided to be religious and join the Christian uh, lifestyle. We've been born of the Spirit of God. His Spirit lives inside of us. Christ lives in us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And as such, we are part, are partakers of His divine nature. I want to read this to you. If you want to turn there, you can. But I'm going to read this from uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. According as His divine power hath given unto us, I want you to think about it. This is every believer. His divine power 
has given unto us, who those that are born again, those that have given their lives to Christ by faith, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You know what he's given us? He's given us everything that we need for this life, for this priesthood. He hasn't shortchanged us. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a little bit. I go out there and go get them, tiger. You know, he has equipped us with everything whereby are giving given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be what partakers of the divine nature. The most strong, fierce person, government, military movement out there, ungodly, is not a partaker of his divine nature. It's the least of the saints. The least, what we would consider the least of the saints, maybe physically feeble or something like this, is a partaker of the divine nature of Christ. As he is, so are we in this world. We are now, as believers, otherworldly. And again, I don't mean it to be something strange other than what the Bible says, other than what we're taught in the Word of God. We're otherworldly. We're in the world, but we are not of it. We have to know that. We have to understand that. I'm not just a Christian now. I'm still I'm a Christian in the world, but I'm not no longer of this world. The Bible says that we are not of the world, even as Christ is not of the world. So the same difference, if you want to call it that, that makes us not of the world is the same difference that's in a holy God and the son of God, Jesus Christ, that made him not of the world. Although he became in the likeness of sinful man, he was not of the world. The Bible says we're strangers and pilgrims. We know that <coughs> that phrase Peter uses it. We're strangers and pilgrims. How, how is that? It almost seems redundant. I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. But but both of those are fitting. A stranger means that we're an alien. A, a stranger in this world means I'm, a, I'm an alien to this world. This is not my native land, my native home. It was maybe a week ago or whenever you didn't know Jesus. Now you're saved. You're born again and I'm born again. We're strangers in the sense that we're not native. We're aliens here. So don't be don't be surprised. Don't let it take you off guard to be surprised that the world doesn't just embrace you and your life and your preaching and your lifestyle and your morality. Um, <clears throat> we're strangers and pilgrims and a pilgrim means not only we're aliens, but it means we're temporary. We're just passing through. A pilgrim is moving, right? The, the pilgrim is moving. So we're going from a point A to point B. I'm not settling down here. So not only am I not a native to this world now that I'm born again, I'm an alien here, but I'm not staying here either. I'm moving. I'm not building all my kingdoms right here. I'm not trying to build for the long haul right here. I'm going to serve God while I'm here. As long as I'm here, however short that is, however long that is, I will serve the Lord while I'm here. I'm a stranger and I'm a pilgrim. And so is every believer that's born again. The Bible says we have tasted of the heavenly gift. We were made past tense partakers of the Holy Ghost. And we have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. We've tasted of that. 
We've tasted of that. We've been made partakers of that. We've been made not in the future sometime only, but the Bible says in Ephesians that we've been uh, made to sit together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That is something, this is somewhere we're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're otherworldly. And yet we're kings and priests unto God now. Just like Paul was. Just like Paul was. That was otherworldly. He was otherworldly. Not just preaching the gospel. You could train a, a parrot to quote John 3.16. But to preach the gospel. To be a witness unto the Lord. In power. And serve God in power with signs and wonders following. Laying down your life. That type of thing. That is otherworldly. And so uh, we have passed from death to life. And our life is now His. And the life that we now live is a life of faith. And it's not even our own life. He purchased us and He lives through us. I know these are simple truths that you know. But y'all, as New Testament kings and priests, we are representatives of Christ on this earth. We are His ambassadors. Do I always live like an ambassador of Christ? No, I don't. Should I? Yes. Can I? Yes. I want to grow in that. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm determined by the grace of God to grow in that. But that is why to be an ambassador for Christ is why we're still here. We have to think about this and know it. The Lord has invested in us. Everyone that he's saved, he personally has made an investment in your life. Okay, he didn't just save you and set you over there and have nothing to do with us. He shed His blood for us. He has made a deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Literally, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He has come to live in us. I don't even understand it all perfectly, but I believe it by faith and I'm understanding it more and more. But He's made an investment in those that He has saved. And that's why we're still here. He, want, he, did, he desires to get something Back. Not that we pay back, back God for our salvation. That would be an insult to even think we could do so. But to live for God while we're here. To live for Him more than we live for ourselves. To live for Him more than we live for anything else. This is why the Lord, there's no other reason for us to be born again people and presently, currently be saved and still be on this earth. There's no other reason. There's no other reason for me to be saved or you to be born again and to still be in this world that doesn't know God and is rejecting Christ daily other than to, to serve the Lord while we're here because people are still being saved. God is still saving souls. He didn't quit that. He didn't throw the towel in when COVID came or the COVID vaccine came or this came or a Marxist government came. He didn't throw the towel in and say, well, that, this, this is a little too much for me. I'm, I'm going to back off. He's still saving people. He's still, he's still taking His saints that have been stoned and raised them up and sent them to go to the next town and preach the Gospel. And I struggle sometimes hanging on to that. I know it to be true. Okay? I know it to be true. But I need to remember that. You know what, what I find, it's in, and maybe I'm speaking for myself, I find it easy to be discouraged, depressed, gloomy, scared, uh, 
and almost and almost have this attitude, well, I'm just going to hang on myself. As though everybody out there just has rejected Christ and is lined up with the Antichrist. It's easy to, be, to think that. So I'm, I'm going to just basically keep my Christianity to myself and I'll make it through fine and maybe those really close to me will make it through fine. But that's not the Lord. The Lord has still got a big heart and the Lord has still got big hands and, and His gospel is still the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Is the opposition more fierce than ever before? Yes. Are people still being saved and God snatching people out of the fire every day? Yes. And that's why we're here. That's why you and I are here. There's no other reason than, than to be living uh, on this earth as a believer. There's just no other reason. I'm saved. I'm in a world that's not saved. Why? Well, this is why. You're a king and a priest unto God. Like Apostle Paul was. And I'm going to send you out there. I'm going to show my might and love and power and love for sinners through your life. Amen. So I was jotting down some notes and I thought about this. If we're not, and I'm including myself in that, if we're not sold out to Christ, if we're not actively serving the Lord, if we're not preaching his gospel, if we're not seeking first the Lord and his kingdom and his righteousness, if we're not becoming all things to all men that we may win some, if we're not laying down our lives daily for God and for men, if we're not taking new ground spiritually daily, if we're not storming the gates of hell, if we're not weeping for the souls of men, if we're not loving our neighbors as ourselves, if we're not growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what are we doing here? Everything else is going to be burned up. Everything else is going to be burned up. What in the world? We're saved. Our eyes have been opened. We know the, the Lord. We know His Word. We, we have the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. If I'm not laying down my life for the cause of Christ daily, what am I doing here? I'm not fulfilling any heavenly purpose. It doesn't mean I'm not loved by the Lord. Okay? It doesn't mean God can't forgive me. It doesn't mean God won't strengthen me for tomorrow. He will. I'm simply saying that's my purpose. That is our purpose as believers. This is why we're saved and we're still here. If we're simply salt that's lost its savor. If we're Christians who are Christians in name only. If we're Christians who have left our first love, if we presently love this present world and its rewards and pleasures more than we love the Lord and His rewards, which are mostly future and, and His pleasures, if we, if we love the praise and approval of this world around us that doesn't even know the Lord more than we desire the praise and approval of the one who died for us, then we're not fulfilling any heavenly purpose here. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not loved by the Lord. You most certainly are. I'm simply saying it's time to get on with being who and what we've been called to be. The authority that we have as priests, the calling that we have. 
But if you're the salt of the earth, Jesus said in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, but if the salt has lost his savor, it is henceforth good for a few things. Is that what he says? If the salt has lost its savor, it is henceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out and to trodden under the feet or the foot of men. I don't want to live my life like that. He didn't call me to live my life like that. He didn't call you to live your life like, like that either. It doesn't mean every one of us is going to be the Apostle Paul. But I can promise you we can be just what he's called us to be. And I can promise you to be more than what any of us are living now. If we would walk in the fullness of that. <clears throat> and so I just really have a charge for our church this morning. And for you and for myself. We need to wake up. We need to repent where we need to repent. We've been made kings and priests unto our God, and it's time that we start living like that. Again, I'm not talking about some name it and claim it. Uh, I'm not talking about some hyper grace or hyper faith. I'm not talking about uh, some erroneous doctrine. I'm talking about as he is, so are we in this world. I'm talking about New Testament Christianity, not in theory only, but in life. And experiencing it. Because that's why we're saved. And why we're saved and we're still here. Is to live in such a way. I want you to, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles. To Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Let's read verses 11 and 12. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light i see a few things in this scripture that the lord has given us is we need to know the time in which we live and Paul is saying, we know the time. And now it's high time to wake out of sleep. Now is our salvation nearer. This isn't a gospel message on how to get saved. He's speaking to believers. And we're closer to the completion of our salvation. A renewed body and glorified body and all being in heaven and all that. We're closer. It's nearer than when we first believed. Although we're saved now. Okay. And he says... The night is far spent. Don't you sense from this an urgency? To me, there's an urgency. There's a plea that this is not just something where we can keep kicking the can down the road endlessly. Later, later. And I'm saved. It's still saying later, later, later. I'll live for God like that later. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, there's, there's an admonition and there's an urgency to the hour and there's an urgency to our hour right now like there never has been before. It's time. We've been living for God. I mean, living in compromise. We've been living for ourselves to a great extent and not for the Lord. We've been living a mostly Christian life. We've been doing better than most of the church world in our day. We've been doing some of the things that the Lord has commanded us to do. We, for the most part, come out of the world. I think that's where we are as, as 
you know, if this is not you, then, then it's not you. But I'm saying for the most part, we're doing better than most Christians. You understand what I'm saying? And, and none of that matters. The Lord is saying the night's far spent. The day is at hand. It's here now. Lord, if we don't see it now, then we're never going to see it. If we don't think the day is at hand now, it's always been the day to live for God. But if we don't see that we're in the end of the end, the last days of the last days before the rapture and the tribulation, it's time. It's past time for God's people to separate from this world, from our attachments to the world, for our love for the world. By the grace of God, all this is soon coming to an end. It's soon coming to an end. It's not doomsday. Amen. This is the word of God. It's soon coming to an end. Soon could be 50 years. Soon could be after all of us have died and gone to be with the Lord. It's still going to be soon, though. Soon could be tonight. It's, it's going to be soon. It's all going to pass away. All of the Christian pretenders, all of those that are Christians in name only, all the hypocrites, all those that are double minded, all those that are, are deferring their commitment to Christ for a more convenient day. Your day of grace will end soon. It's not going to go on forever. It's going to end. It's going to end for to now is the time of salvation. We heard that in Sunday school. But I'm not just talking about for the, for the lost man. Now is the time of salvation for the lost man. And now means now. You might not have this evening. If God's convicting you to give your life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus this morning. Okay? And, and make sure that that is settled with the Lord. But I'm not just speaking, and I don't feel the Lord is just speaking to those that are making the commitment to to be a, become a Christian and give their lives to Jesus, I believe there is a, a calling of God's people in this hour and saying the night's far spent. Cast off these works of darkness. Cast off anything that attaches you to this world and be freed up and serve the Lord. I just want to read this, and it's kind of blending in with the church and with the lost, but for as in the days... That were before the flood, Jesus said, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the, son, the coming of the Son of Man be. Now I know that this would be a strong admonition for a lost man to give their life to Christ now. In the days of Noah, they were just life as usual, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and didn't know it until the day that the flood came. And when the day that the flood came and Noah got on the ark and God himself shut the doors of the ark, it was too late for everybody else. They didn't they stop to think about it. But I'm also saying to the believers this morning that we wouldn't just keep deferring. You know what I'm talking I feel like I'm famous for, not famous, I, I'm... I'm a professional at deferring certain things. And this is one thing I don't want to kick down the road. I want to live for the Lord. Not only is it the time of salvation for the lost men, it's the time for the blood-bought men and women of God and young people of God to step up, to sell out, to live for Christ, to die for Christ if necessary. What are we waiting for? Now, bringing this to a close, but 
stop and think about it. Okay? I'm older. I had another birthday this year. So did y'all. Okay? Or about to. What am I waiting for? What are we waiting for? And I'm just talking about in our Christianity. I read about Paul preaching the gospel, a crippled man's healed, and so forth. And I think that's awesome. That's exciting. I want to read more of that. I want to read books on missionaries and Willie Burton and all the miracles he did in, in Africa, the Lord used him to do, and the souls that were saved. But what am I waiting for? And what are you waiting for? Are we waiting for things to get better? Do you think that they are? you think that this world around us is going to get better? I'm not saying we might not have some reprise from the Lord, and I'm praying we do. Space of grace, a revival that we get to be part of. Some righteous government, maybe for a little brief time before the rapture. I'm praying for those things. But are we waiting for things to get better? Are we waiting for the moral climate of this age to improve so we're not as hated and rejected, but we're more accepted? Jesus said, praying for his disciples before he went to the cross, he says, Father, I've given them thy word and the world has hated them. This is 2,000 years ago. I've given them thy word and the world has been indifferent to them. That's not what he says. Ignores them, ridicules them. Well, they do that as well. But I've given them thy word and the world has hated them. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So are we waiting for things to just get better and the moral climate to, to improve? It's not going to happen. This same life of Christ that was rejected and nailed on the cross, that's the life that's in us. The life that we now live. And the life that's in this world of the Antichrist and the spirit of the God of this world is in direct opposition to the light that's in you into me. Don't expect it to get better. Doesn't mean somebody you share the gospel with not going to get saved. Doesn't mean that God can't show himself and will not show himself mightily through your life. But we're not waiting for the moral climate to get better in the spiritual environment. I'm going to close with a few thoughts. The Apostle Paul healed a lame man. They wanted to worship him as a god and almost offered blood sacrifices to him. And he restrained him. Then he was stoned and left for dead. Then the Lord raised him up and he stood on his feet and began to preach the gospel. When he was on his way to Rome towards the end of his life, where he was going to be imprisoned and eventually beheaded, he was on the ship with 269 other prisoners. And the ship wrecked on an island called Melita. He was bit by a poisonous snake. And when he should have gotten sick and keeled over and died, he shook the snake off into the fire and kept picking up firewood. The people of that, that local people there were amazed. And the chief of the islands named Publius, and Publius brings his dad out because he sees the power in the Apostle Paul. Hadn't heard the gospel or anything yet, but he brings his dad to him who has this bleeding of condition in his body and Paul heals him. The Lord healed him through Paul. And then they brought all the sick people on the island and the Lord used Paul to heal them. What am I saying? I'm saying 
this is like Jesus. That's what that's like. That's like the Lord. They brought unto Jesus all that were sick and he healed them all. And he would preach the gospel. And we say that that's amazing. I wonder why you ever ask this? That's amazing. You're reading a book about a missionary. You're reading the book of Acts and you say, that's amazing. I wonder why we don't see that very much in our day. You ever ask yourself that question? I'm bringing this to, to a close. Well, the Bible says that we're more than conquerors. The Bible, Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Bible says, Jesus said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and, and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the, of the earth. But we're not more than conquerors when we live a life of compromise. We're not more than conquerors when we live a half-hearted, half-committed, lukewarm life of convenience. That's not what Paul did. That's not what Stephen did. Every day they laid down their lives. God may not take it every day unto death, but every day they laid it down. Every day they considered themselves a dead man and went out and served the Lord. We say, why don't we see that like Paul's life and Stephen's life? Why don't we see that today? That's why we don't see it today. It is still happening, by the way. The Lord is still doing things like this by His grace. And by His grace, He's given us a message like this to, to help us to wake up. The authority that we have comes from the Lord. The power, the love to even do it, the love for God and the love for men to do it. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. We need to press in close to the Lord. i got two scriptures I'm going to read and I'll close. And D, you can come on up if you want to. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's read verses 9 and 10. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. There's three deliverances right there, aren't there? He did deliver us, he does deliver, and we trust he will deliver. But do you understand what he's saying? He's born again. We're kings and priests. We're more than conquerors. But he says in verse 9, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. That's simply what he's talking about. Taking up our cross daily. Living for God. Why don't we see this more in our day? It's because we're not living this way. You might be. I pray you are. We as a whole, as a church, and as individuals are not living this life the way that we're called to live this life. Chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That, there's a reason for that, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. We're ending our series right now on the priesthood of the believer. 
priesthood of the believer, he says, we're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That's what we saw in the opening passage in Acts 14 with, with Paul preaching and wanted to worship him, healing the lame man, uh, and then being stoned and raised from the dead. That was the life of Christ being manifest in his mortal flesh. And the Lord still is able to do that. The Lord still desires to do that. And we need to be awakened to this in our day. This is not for the lost. If you're lost, I pray you give your life to Jesus. I would love to pray for you to make sure that your name's in the Lamb's book of life and your sins are forgiven. He loves you very much. But for the church body, this is the call of God upon our lives. Y'all stand with me. I'm going to read one more scripture while you're standing. The altars are open. This is the time to take what you've heard, to take what God has spoken to you by the Holy Ghost, and to get at the altar and say, Lord, take this and impart it to me. It's not enough that I heard it. It's enough that I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And at the altar is where we lay hold on that and we ask God to make it me. Make it me. I'm going to read this. Altars are open. Ephesians 5.14 Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Father, we just come before you as your people. And I can't speak for every person, Lord. I can speak for myself. God, that I believe this. I know I'm your child. And I know that you've used me and you've used others in here in this hour to take stands for you and to preach the gospel and to win the lost. You've used us to lay hands on the sick and they've recovered. But Lord, I know that there is so much more. When I read about the Apostle Paul in his calling and in his priesthood, when I read about others, Lord God, when I just read the promises in your word, I know that there's far more. And you're telling me and you're telling your children, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. And Lord, we want to walk in that light. And if you're praying at this altar and you say, I really don't know if I want to walk in that like that. Well, then you ask God to give you such a heart and He'll do it. Ask Him to change your desires and I'll ask Him to change my desires to where we desire to live that type of life because that's the only reason that we're here. He saved us and He left us here. He didn't save us and bring us to heaven. The reason we're here is to have the sentence of death upon ourselves that the life of Christ, the life of our Redeemer, the life of another would actually be lived through us and displayed in the midst of this darkness that the light and life of Christ would be manifest. Thank you, Lord, that you're still the same God. You still have the same power and authority. You've still made us partakers of your divine nature. Thank you that as Christ is, so are we in this world. Oh God, help us. Use us, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name.